We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hour two here of Sports Talk Saturday underway and making her Sports Talk Saturday debut on the West Her Hotline. Joining me is Elena Getzenberg. She's the Buffalo Bills beat reporter for ESPN. And Elena, first and foremost, Happy New Year to you. I'm allowed to say Happy New Year, I think, until it's double digit days into the month. So forgive me, but I haven't seen you since, so I'm allowed to say it. I wasn't sure if we were still saying No, that. we are. Yeah, no, we are. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> My pleasure, and uh, excited to have you on. And uh, I know it's been a long time coming, and we've been working around each other's schedules, so I'm glad to have you on. And uh, no time is better than the time the Bills need a win to secure the AFC East and um, and move into a position to um, obviously host a playoff game in the in the wild card round, but potentially more. Um, do you imagine? I maybe we'll start with this conversation around the Bengals, who have already come out and say we're. We're sitting our, our our primary starters, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. They're sitting. It seems a little premature with a game tonight that if the Chiefs lose, Elena, the two seed opens up for the Bills and Bengals. And if the Bengals have been prepping Brandon Allen all week, I would think that they've already committed to sitting Joe Burrow. So how, in, in reality, watching tonight's game, are you watching with interest? Like, do you think the Broncos have a shot in this game, or is it – I'm probably not too worried about the Chiefs losing to the Broncos, and the Bills are more than likely just going to secure that four seed. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack because there, there's so many teams involved so late in like the seeding part of it. So, yeah, Joe Burrow apparently isn't even traveling tomorrow, which is just really? nuts. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's a couple things. I think – I get where the Bengals are coming from. I don't know if I agree with it, but um, no, I don't really think the Broncos have much of a chance tonight. I mean, there's you know, there's always you never know. It's the NFL, but I just see it hard to see. You know, the Broncos don't have anything to play for, and the Chiefs have everything to play for. So I, I think that'll be. I will be very surprised if the Broncos um, win that game. So I think maybe that's part of. You know, maybe the Bengals are being realistic, but. The the Bills, it's most likely going to be the three or the four, and I think it's pretty weird what the Bengals are doing. I don't think I would do that if I was a head coach, but I'm not. So, I, And I think, too, I think the Browns have a better chance of winning that game tomorrow with Case Keenum than Baker yeah. Mayfield at this point. So I, so I, I think that's not, probably not – that's going to be an interesting game, and I think it's going to be the three or the four. I don't think Case Keenum is better than Baker Mayfield, but I think that he probably fits better in that offense. Um, and Brandon Allen, like, if you yeah. – 
are you of the mind that you like the Browns in that game and with a win, the Browns beat the Bengals and the Bills beat the Jets, the Bills move into that three seed? And you know, I and your your point about the Bengals doesn't go on deaf ears on me because or doesn't fall on deaf ears with me because I remember going into last year, the Bills with a win could clinch the two seed in, in week seventeen. And they decided to play Josh Allen against a lot of people who were just like, just sit the starters, who cares? And they played Josh Allen for the first half. I think that probably that that idea of, hey, play the starters to start the half and get the game into a situation where you can hand it off to the backups, it feels like that makes more sense. It kind of feels like the Bengals are pissing away an opportunity to get the three seed and maybe short of matchups that won't matter because they probably they're they're playing at one o'clock anyways. They're not gonna know who they end up playing anyways because the the play-in game is Sunday night football between the Chargers and Raiders. But I still look at this and say if you can get the three seed, you probably want it because it gives you an opportunity to play that second home game potentially. Yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I think it's less so the matchup next weekend, and it's you know that potential to have another home playoff game, which is huge. I mean, if you're thinking down the line, hey, the one seed, which may be Tennessee, loses, and then that opens up you know potential home games down the road. You just don't. I, I agree with you. I would play them some. I think there's too much at stake with the seeding thing where you're looking back and you could have had another home playoff game, especially, you know, when you look at a team like the Bills who have shown that they could win at home in the playoffs and bit of a question mark on the road up to this point. So, yeah, I don't get it. I think seeding is so important. I understand wanting to keep guys healthy, of course. Um, but, yeah, I do think the Browns have a chance in that game tomorrow. They're in a weird spot, but wouldn't you want to win against a division rival to, you know, hurt them in their playoff hopes? I, I, I think you do, and I think that game will actually be really interesting to watch, and it definitely impacts the Bills. So it'll be interesting. I think the Browns have a chance, but, you know, the Bengals, I don't, I don't get it. I would at least play them some and, and try to establish a lead, like you said. Elena, I, I want to talk a little bit about this Bills-Jets matchup. It may not be the sexiest in terms of, like, on paper and – I, I want to give the Jets maybe a little bit of credit. They gave the Buccaneers just about everything they could handle last week. And I know the drama of the Antonio Brown situation is probably the thing that people will remember from that game and not that, you know, at one point the Jets were up 24-10 to 10 on, the, on the defending champs. But obviously they, they lose the game, they give up the lead, and, and Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does. But this is a team that has beat the Titans, who are the number one seed in the AFC, and they've, they've played some good football games along the way this year. They almost beat the Bengals as well. Um, what do you make of this Jets team? And do I, I, I would guess that you're probably of the mind that the Bills will never look overlook any team. Well, at least they'll never admit it, because why would they admit that? But is this a sneaky, like almost trap game kind of feel to it? Because this is a team that seems to play the really good teams pretty hard yeah it could be I think an interesting part of this that you know is important to note is that the Bills haven't played Zach Wilson yet um and I know like you know he's had a mixed rookie season but he's been playing better as of late um and you know he was injured in that first meeting and I mean he's not again not been like oh my god but it's still interesting they haven't had to face him yet and I I mean it has that potential there's definitely been Bills players this week that have been like pointing out that the Jets kept the Buccaneers close and like unprompted and mentioning how they can't overlook them. So 
it's absolutely being talked about in the building that the Jets can't be overlooked. And it, it's got that vibe. I wouldn't be surprised if it's close at points in the first half, um, which, you know, because this is a Jets team that's not horrible. I mean, they've shown, like you said, they were up on Tampa by a lot last week. And I remember looking back at the score and was like, when did Tampa score all those points? It wasn't even close. Um, so I think it has that potential, but they, I just can't see them. I, if they fall short in this one, then it's, I don't even know what to say. If If they lose this game, it would be, I'm shocking, but I do think it'll be close, and I do think it's one where like people are assuming it'll just be an absolute blowout, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Elena Getzenberg here of ESPN joining me on the West Her Hotline. We're talking a little Bills Jets here, and I, I I sort of alluded to last year's Week 17 matchup against the Dolphins. It ended up being a a, a blowout, and Matt Barkley came in and kind of continued the blowout. Do you expect that the expectation internally for Sean McDermott is? A, he would like to probably see as much Mitchell Trubisky as humanly possible tomorrow in that game, but there's probably a situation where that might not happen. If it's a close game, you're not seeing Mitchell Trubisky because the Bills recognize that this is an important game for them to win for seeding purposes. But you think in best-case scenario that Mitchell Trubisky's playing almost the entire second half, like that's that's what the internal expectation of, of what they want to do is? I think that's absolutely the ideal scenario because you, you know you're not having that buy. You know, they're right, absolutely right. playing next week. So, yes, I do think that's ideal. Um, the entire second half would be, like, really something. <laughs> I don't know if that's – I mean, in an ideal world, I think that does happen. But, yeah, I think they want to get up. They want to – why would you play Josh Allen if you're up by three touchdowns on the Jets? I think that's the ideal scenario. Maybe get some other guys some rest. Um you know, because it's going to be a long, ideally for them, what they're hoping is a long, long road here. So, yes, I think ideally we see a good bit of Mitch tomorrow. That is the hope, at least for me. I'd also say, um, Elena, there's like a couple of guys that in particular have we've either seen at times, uh, and Matt Breed is one of them. Another guy, too, for me on the offensive side of the ball has been Ryan Bates, and now it looks like Bates is kind of the full-time starter, Elena. Is that kind of the sense that we're getting that moving into the playoffs with a healthy John Feliciano, that Ryan Bates, your starting left guard here, moving forward? Yeah, <laughs> pretty weird. Right? Yeah, I mean, it does seem that way. I mean, right now it's his, I mean, just the way Sean McDermott was talking about him yesterday, and it was like he was a full go at practice yesterday. He does not have an injury designation. There's been no reason to believe he's not going to be the guy out there because it's honestly been working. Josh Allen hasn't been sacked in two games. I mean, I think this offensive line is just clicking and it's pretty, pretty wild because I think, you know, they've lost guys. You know, if you told me this was the combination, I would be a little skeptical, but Ryan Bates is working and this five is working. I mean, Deion Dawkins has been playing so well um, and since he came back from the COVID list and it's just clicking. I don't, it's pretty wild, but right now it's working. I think it's good that they have someone like John Feliciano ready to go if mm. something happens, but right now it's looking that way. You know, Ryan Bates reminds me, Elena, a lot of Isaiah McKenzie in that 
they weren't used in a full-time role because of the expectation or their role as a depth player or in the case of Isaiah McKenzie as a kick returner, right? They didn't want to use him offensively because of his importance as a kick returner, but now with Marquez Stevenson sort of taking that over to full-time role, it's opened up McKenzie to play more offense, and I think they've been better for it. The same can be said... I think for the role prior to him playing at left guard was that Bates was the backup center and was the guy that could fill in at just about any other position. And I know that this team values depth and they value guys that can play multiple positions and they want to make sure you're ready and available to play that in case of injury. But I think the injury opened up and showed at least this franchise that Brian Bates is like a starting caliber level player, at least right now. But like moving forward, I... I'd be really interested to kind of be a fly on the wall knowing what they think of Bates as like a long-term option at left guard because if, if he is, I just think that like it opens up this franchise for a lot of other moves that likely need to be made. If they can cross off left guard and it be a guy at the money that Ryan Bates is making, like that is not just a win, Elena. Like that is that's like the winning that's like the win of all wins to have a guy basically making a league minimum being a starting caliber player. So like in the sense that him and McKenzie both are are thriving in roles that they just had never been asked to play before. I think that sort of says a lot about how this team is built is that there's guys that probably could be given more but they just haven't been that really can thrive in the system that they're placed in. Absolutely. I think it speaks kind of what you were saying to the depth that is on this roster and it speaks to Brandon Bean's team building and his skill and putting together a roster because there's not a lot of teams. Listen, I came from covering the Panthers. Their offensive line depth, you can go watch their last couple of games. It's a mess. And then when you look at a team like the Bills, to have someone like Ryan Bates, like you mentioned, just kind of there as a backup and on a different spot on the offensive line and to have him come in and, you know, do a good job. It really speaks to what Brandon Bean has built here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ideally, I mean, it's looking down, down the road, but it's a great sign if you can have someone like that come in and play well game after game. It, it speaks well to the future and speaks well to the depth on this roster, and that's what you want, right? You want to find guys who can fill in a spot you don't even intend them to. That means you're putting together a good team. So if Ryan Bates can be the guy down the road, that's great, but even just right now, him playing the role he is um, – it's just huge for this team and, again, speaks to the depth. I mean, it's crazy that you can have a guy like that step in yeah. and the offensive line is maybe playing its best it has all season. You know, this is going to end up being a two-part question, um, and I kind of want to, like, rewind for you back to September when you took the job and you came to Buffalo and everyone has expectations. And before I ask you about your expectations and how they were met of the city and, like, the food scene, because I know that's a big thing for everybody when they get here – like I, I kind of want you to think back of okay, you're coming to cover a team that just went to the AFC Championship game a year ago in the season prior, and you came into the season with I'm sure a level like a baseline of expectations of okay, here's what I'm going to expect from a team that just was in the AFC Championship game. Has there been anything, whether it's relationships within the locker room? I, I know you don't get to be in the locker room like like we used to be pre-COVID, but 
Is it a player? Is it a coach? Or has there been anything that you were expecting of this football team coming in that have that has maybe surprised you about whether it's just roster construction or personalities of players? Like, what has been maybe different for for you from your expectation of when you took the job to now having you know five six months on the job? That's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I think. There's a lot that has met some of my expectations in the sense that, like, I knew this team was going to be good. I knew Mm -hmm. they had been building this for a while. Um, And you can see that from, like, all the guys that have been on the roster since Sean got here and all that sort of thing. Um, I do think what has surprised me, and it's been interesting kind of to see this, is the difference between this team and other teams I've covered in the sense that, like, there is this weird, like, it's not weird, it's a great thing closeness of this team and this Mm. is going to sound so corny but but like there's this thing where like you can tell these guys actually like each other or at least like a good number of them like actually like get along like the relationship like I knew maybe this is a good example I knew Jordan Boyer and Micah Hyde were very good at football right Mm -hmm. they're great safeties they're very good back there but like their relationship and the way that they talk about each other um I didn't know from an outsider's perspective and just getting to see that, it affects so much of how they play, um, their relationship off the field. And I think that's been really cool and something I didn't expect. Um, and I also think it's just, like, something about the way that Sean has structured this team and, like, these guys believe in his message in a way unlike any other coach I've covered because mm-hmm. you'll hear, like, little Sean's, like, McDermott quotes from players all the time. And you don't get that as much at other places, but like they say 111th constantly. (laughs) (laughs) And that just means his message is getting across. And that was something that you can't really see from an outsider's perspective. And it's been, it's something that I've definitely taken note of. Interesting. Um, Well, I've got it. The follow up is okay. You had an expectation of what the city would be like. I imagine that like three weeks ago, between now and three weeks ago, maybe it's changed. I don't know if you live downtown or not. But if you do, I promise we don't normally get snow like this. Downtown is usually sheltered. Like the, I'm from I'm from Hamburg, which is you know the bordering town from Orchard Park. The mm-hmm. South Towns. This is what we're used to in the South Towns, and this is why I moved to this city to get the hell away from the snow belt, which just gets dumped with with um, you know lake effect snow. Normally, the city is sort of guarded, and we don't get this type of snow. So please do not. You know, judge Buffalo and the city in particular based on yesterday and the other last couple days in the snowfall. This is not a normal thing that happens in the city. So your expectation of Buffalo and the food scene and everything about the city coming in that maybe is different now that you've you've got a little time on task here. Nate, I sighed because I do live downtown. (laughs) And everyone told me that if I lived downtown, there would be less. They were right. They technically are right. We promise. That is really the case. Well, I have no comment on that part of it because that was, I I don't, yeah, nothing nice to say about that. But I will say, I mean, I have, and this, again, I feel like I'm just being very corny today, but I really loved Buffalo. Um, COVID has made things difficult to explore as much as I would like, but um, I don't know if anything really surprised me. I mean, I think I'm from Pittsburgh originally, Mm, and that's, you know, it's a different city, but one thing that I guess stood out to me right away is 
and no one could have prepared me for this. There's a lot of similarities, um, which made me feel at home. It's similar mindsets, similar, you know, mm-hmm. two cities that really love where they are. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anything super caught me off guard, but I only have happy things to say about Buffalo except people lying to me about the snow. That's the only, <laughs> that's my only complaint so far. And the other thing I'll say is, no, everyone talked about the snow and the cold, but I was not prepped for how windy it is here. Oh, yeah. And so that kind of surprised me, and I'm still adjusting to the <laughs> to hearing the wind and all that sort of thing. So usually, I will tell you, that is the one thing about the city, and especially if you're on or around Main Street, there is a notable wind tunnel that's created from the lake, and it goes under the where the, the big, tall uh, M&T Bank building is. There's a train, like, monorail that goes underneath. There's a big hole in the building and it like sucks up all of the wind and just shoots it into the city um that's a real thing and it is bitter cold but i promise like this is the most snow you'll ever see in the city ever like 18 inches is insane for the city now this would have been i think seven or eight years ago i lived in south buffalo it was during college for me and we in south buffalo got the most snow that buffalo has ever gotten we got like five feet of snow in a 48 hour span and the U.S., I kid you not, the U.S. National Guard was stationed outside of my home, um, which was a really weird sight to see. And there was an abandoned Doritos truck that had been raided (laughs) by people because whoever, the truck driver got stuck and left and abandoned his Dorito truck. First of all, bad idea, abandoning your Doritos truck and just leaving. That guy probably got fired because he lost all of his Dorito chips. But um, that's the craziest thing that's ever happened in Buffalo, and it's only happened once in my life. So I promise... If you're around long enough, it gets better than this, but not a lot better. <laughs> That's an amazing story because I am five feet tall, so, so I don't know what. You would have really struggled. Like we, I remember we ended up running out of food after like you know four to eight hours because you're stuck inside. And what's the thing you do when you're bored and you're stuck inside? You just eat. Um, we actually had ended up walking down the street, and it was sort of like day after tomorrow like scene where you're walking and the snow piles that are next to you are actually taller than you. I'm six feet tall. And like the snow mounds were taller than me on my way to walk to the convenience store to go get food. And like you, that would have been a culture shock for you. There's no doubt. Even coming from a Rust Belt city, that would have been a weird thing for you. Yeah. This whole, the whole lake effect, all of that is still new to me. But I do like, I will say one thing that like all of this is, I think the pride that, people in buffalo have for their city it's pretty cool like i I think like sometimes it's a little intense but i think it's a pretty cool thing and it's something that has you know all the snow all the wind all the (laughs) wings and bills it's it's pretty cool to see well lena thank you so much for hopping on giving us some time today happy we finally got you on and let's do it again soon happy new year again to you and enjoy the game this weekend and uh you know stay warm that's the best advice i can give you Thanks, Nate, and thanks for having me on, and Happy New Year, and I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Elena Getzenberg of ESPN there on the Western Hotline joining us. Up coming up next, I've got Connor Rogers of Bleach Report. He joins us on the Western Hotline. That's coming up next year on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. We'll have Connor Rogers here in just one moment. Um... Man, I, I, I just saw something from the FCS championship that's going on right now. Montana State versus North Dakota State. An empty quarterback ISO RPO. I love it. I need it. I, I had a tech. I literally tagged Coach Brian Dable in it. Like, that is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Just a empty set. Quarterback, ISO, RPO, football has never been better, if you ask me. Let's go back to the Western Hotline now because Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report, uh, Bleacher Report joins me. First of all, do you have the FBS championship game on right now, Connor? And did you see the empty set quarterback, ISO, RPO? Yes, I do. and Because, I, I mean, there's a couple <laughs> prospects in this game. But you yeah. love what they do at the FCS level. I'll tell you, Nate, when you turn on the college field of the prospects from there, you see some things uh, – you, that you've never seen before in football, if that was possible, believe it or not. Listen, if there are two quarterbacks that could run the empty quarterback ISO, it's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, and I need to see it. I need to see it, um, like, desperately, especially in, like, a red zone situation. Oh, my gosh. Sounds amazing. Um, Connor, first and foremost, Happy New Year to you, buddy. Uh, happy to have you on, as always. And um, looking forward to this matchup because this isn't I, – I would say that – it feels like the Jets have made some progress here. I know that it's been a tough season and injuries have really kind of been the story, but it feels like the Zach Wilson that I saw for like 14 weeks and then the Zach Wilson I've seen over the last couple of weeks, I think this is a, a gentle reminder that that you know quarterback play, that rookie quarterback development is not linear, that it takes guys different amounts of time and, 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 and experience to get to a better place. I've got to say, the guy that was thrown for 48% and you know 90 yards on 35 attempts, um, I don't want to say he's the guy of the past, but it certainly seems like the injury, which again, I just it, it reminds me so much of Josh Allen's rookie year, Connor. He gets the injury against Houston, he comes back, and he's a different Josh Allen. And it's maybe not the exact date of after the injury for Zach Wilson, but I can't, for a rookie quarterback to get some experience and then take some time watching, I, I just wonder what the value of that might have been for Wilson. And, and do you maybe notice the same trend there? I mean, you're spot on, Nate. And, and first off, it's always great to catch up with you as we uh, enter. The, we are in the new year here, and you're all over it. I mean, it's 
the, the numbers don't lie, but the tape even tells more of the story with Zach Wilson since he's been back um, since week 12 and, and really got going, I would say, week 13, right? That first game back, yes, they beat Houston, but you could tell that he was, you know, not 100% and needed to yep. settle back in. And then and then against the Eagles, they scored basically on every drive they had in the first half and then never really had the ball in the second half. And since then, uh, it's been just a much, much better picture for Zach Wilson and the offense. Now, to be optimistic about this game would be a little insane, in my opinion, because, what, number one, the Bills are so good at forcing turnovers. It's, it's up in Buffalo. The Jets are going to be rolling out some – some street free agents at wide receiver at this point. Forget no Corey Davis or Elijah Moore. There's going to be no Braxton Berrios in this one either. So uh, the Jets are, and they have a lot of injuries on the offensive line. So they're probably in trouble in this one. I think they probably have a very uh, conservative, safe approach to keep Wilson healthy this final week and, and get into the off season. But you're absolutely right. It's just been encouraging. Everything's slowing down for him. And it's a cliche we use with rookie quarterbacks, but He's not holding on to the ball for mm-hmm. long anymore. He's, he's really, really trusting his arm talent to make tight window throws, some anticipation throws. And we're finally seeing those plays with his legs that it was one of the exciting reasons he was, you know, he was drafted so early is his athleticism. So the rookie uh, season Josh Allen comparison, I think, is spot on. Now, I don't know if Zach will ever be, uh, you know, even three quarters of the quarterback Josh Allen has turned into. He's just an incredible player at this point. But at least this trajectory, you know, it's it's flat out better than what we've seen from Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. You're not kidding. There's just no way around. There's no way around it. So, and nobody really comes out and says that for whatever reason. So that's the big positive here. Yeah, I think the other big positive that you have to feel like that his recent play has given you a feel that a he's been able to do it with without you know, Becton at left tackle and without Corey Davis and without a legitimate tight end and you throwing to Keelan Cole. And, you know, like I think the his success, despite not having the weapons that they had tended to surround him with this year is probably the thing that you got to maybe lie back on and say, that's what makes you feel the best about this is Braxton Berrios. No offense to him. I, I actually like him as a player. I, like, I actually would kind of view him as an option for the Bills next year because they could use a special sure. teams player and another a smaller slot guy. And Berrios has done some nice things this year. But again, I think it goes to show you that a guy like Berrios getting, the, getting talked about the way that he is is because the quarterback has made him look better. Like, has made him look like a legitimate guy that that could, you know, command some money in the free agent market. Like, doing it with the players that he's been doing it with the last couple of weeks, to me, has been the most impo- impressive part of this. It is, because you're looking at someone that, you know, when he got the call to be drafted, and I love Robert Sala, but one of the things he said to him was, you know, you don't, we're going to lift you, this organization's going to lift you, and that, quite frankly, just has not been the case yeah, lately. And agreed. Zach Wilson is elevating guys around him, which is, Really the most exciting thing you could see from a quarterback in the National Football League is if your guy makes the guys around him better, then you know you know that, that you have a guy. That's what it comes down to. And for Zach, I mean, really it just tells the picture. I, I mean, Nate, their leader in contested catches is Corey Davis with six, okay? And Corey Davis <laughs> hasn't played in a long time, yeah. and six is not a pretty number. So he really has nobody that can go up and win at the catch point. And we saw at BYU, he loves throwing down the field and trusting his receivers. He doesn't have that guy yet. So I think it's a good thing that you go into the offseason and you actually know what you need. They, they need to invest premium assets into tight end, whether that is 
a big-time contract to a Dalton Schultz or whoever it may be or drafting one early or maybe both. Uh, and they, they aren't done at wide receiver yet. So it, it, when a quarterback is at least capable, and these last couple of weeks Zach Wilson has been capable, you can see what you need to get him to be above average or average or whatever it may be. And, and that's a giant win for the guys in the front office and the coaching staff heading into this offseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know, I, I didn't intend to talk about Trevor Lawrence with you, but it, it almost feels like we have to based on the conversation about Wilson we're having because – Listen, I, there's no doubt. I, I actually very much like Sala. I like LaFleur. I, I think that that's a good young coaching staff that is on the rise. Obviously, the same can't be said for what's happening in Jacksonville. And it's a shame that Urban Meyer really set the franchise back probably a few years. And if you're Urban Meyer, you took the job because you thought it was a slam dunk with the quarterback. And it has not been a slam dunk with the quarterback. And you're talking about, you know, Wilson elevating players like Braxton Berrios and, and, and Keelan Cole and Tyler Croft even. like So yep. why is it in your mind then, watching Trevor Lawrence, that he has been as bad as he's been? Because they fired Urban and, you know, listen, Bevel is a coach that is – had coached successful offenses in this league, and Marvin Jones is a decent player. And, and you know, Dan Arnold, before he was hurt, was a nice player for that offense. And James Robinson, like, I know the – and LaVisca Chenault's a nice player. I know that they're not great pieces, but they're better pieces than what Zach Wilson's working with. I, I just wonder, in your mind, what has gone so wrong for Lawrence, and do you believe that this is – an anomaly for him and that whoever they bring in will have to be better and they've got a lot of money to spend and he'll get some weapons in there or do you believe that this is like on the long term stunted what he could have been in the NFL as a quarterback as bad as the environment is around him anybody that tells you that this is for sure an outlier an anomaly whatever it may be is lying to themselves. There's no way to be sure of that because that's how bad everything is right now for Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, you're talking to a guy that, that loved him as a prospect. There's no bias here. It's not like I was a Fields guy or a Wilson over Lawrence guy. Like, none of that. It's just, it's just reality. When you watch the tape, you watch his games. Nate, he's thrown two touchdowns since October ended. It's, yeah, it's not crazy. even the same year anymore. It's January. Two touchdowns since October ended. That I don't care. And – you know, somebody made a really good point to me recently when I threw that number at them. They said it becomes even scarier when you think of how much garbage time ball they play in, and that's his number. So for Lawrence, okay, that's, that's just number stuff. On the field, he holds the ball too long. His mechanics vary throw to throw, which is never a good sign. Yep. And, and it could be the same route, right? He can throw – it can be a 10-yard out, and, and you could see him throw it multiple ways, and the accuracy is, is not really great. Uh, he's not seeing the field well. And for the first time in his life, because I've been around Trevor. I, the first time I was around Trevor Lawrence, he was in high school, and it was at the uh, wet, you know, the Army yep. Invitational down in Texas. And he, he could out-athlete anyone. Nate. I mean, standing next to him, I said, this guy has an NFL arm, and he's, what, 17 at the time. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. But then when you get to an NFL field and you're like, Every, everyone's an athlete for a reason. It's the NFL. You can't outrun everyone. You can't break every tackle. The, the putting your head down and running backwards from the pocket kind of things don't always work or rarely work. So he's learning, but no one's really also making a play or making things easier for him, and it's just turned – it's spiraled. It's as simple as that. It's, it's gotten worse since the beginning of the season, what we're seeing now. So if you go back to the draft process then, 
Connor, what did we all miss? And maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe it is, what did we all overlook to say that Lawrence was far and away the best quarterback prospect in the draft? But it wasn't just that. It was that this is the best quarterback prospect since, what, Andrew Luck was kind of what we kept hearing. Um, So what is it then, going back to that draft process, that we overlooked collectively? Because this is not just uh, some people really liked him, but there were – you look back and this guy, he was right about Lawrence. Like there is no, oh, that one guy had been saying this since – 2019 that Lawrence was going to be this player in the NFL when he got here. That that's not that guy doesn't exist. So what have we all missed or overlooked in the process evaluating Lawrence in college? It's a great question. I went back and looked at my notes on him just to figure it out because there were only two lines of negatives, but they do kind of intersect into, you know, the the problematic nature of what's going on with him this year. And the first thing is he came from a college offense that He threw a lot of screens and one-read throws. And on a Clemson team in a conference that, I mean, you look at the players that he had, the entire offense he had, uh, that makes life easier on you. And the second thing for me was his release, the way he loads up at times, because he's a big guy, six foot six, is a little slow. It's delayed. So when you go to the NFL and those one-reads aren't always there and your release is a little delayed – you're going to be late because you're not always used to working through that many different reads and then combine that with the release. And that's why you're seeing so many interceptions. The ball is just late. Guys are getting a break on it. Guys are getting a jump on it. Uh, And it's not just the 17 interceptions. It's the passes that are broken up or him trying to force things. And let's, and once again, this isn't pile on Trevor Lawrence. There's no doubt. There's, there's guys that aren't getting open. The offense schematically is a, it's a giant disaster. It's literally a dumpster. Uh, no matter who the coach is at the time. The, the staff Urban hired was a, a laughable joke. So, no, that staff takes over. It's not going to get any better. So there are a lot of reasons he can turn this thing around. But when it comes down to it, this has been an adjustment period where, you know, it's two, I guess, question marks. I won't call them flaws, but question marks, things to grow on, uh, simply have not only not improved, they've kind of intersected to make things worse. I want to ask you, um, Connor, about another evaluation that you would have done, which is Gregory Rousseau, um, who I, I think by a lot of accounts had a breakout game last week against the Atlanta Falcons, getting a sack fumble, and he's sort of right now sitting this season um, at 24 pressures, which is certainly not bad. Um, but in terms of snaps across his other rookie um, sort of defensive ends that are at the top of this, he is – Right behind Joe Tyron, uh, Joe, Joe Tryon, um, at four, Tryon's got 495 snaps, and he's getting more snaps as of late because of the injuries and the injury to Shaq Barrett. So, like, Russo's at 507, which is pretty much at the bottom of that list. He started the season, and maybe no better game to think about than the Kansas City Chiefs game, where he gets that interception, has a sack in that game. But then, since that Week 5 game, he has been awfully quiet, has that breakout game last week, it's probably something you would have expected of him in your evaluation because of the time off that he had. But what are your overall impressions of Russo's rookie year? And, you know, what are you sort of looking for him for in the future? I think he's on the right path, to be honest with you. I look at Rousseau. I had him 54th overall in that class. And he, he's an edge rusher that is loaded up with physical kind of traits. So that guy, those guys get pushed up, right? They don't get drafted necessarily where you have them. They get a bump. And the Bills... Uh, obviously liked him enough to take him a little earlier than that, which is okay. They had a need there. I mean, this is someone that played as a redshirt sophomore and had a giant breakout year 
and consistently won with his length, was moved all over the defensive line, and was drafted to be, you know, they, the good thing is the Bills didn't draft him and say, like, okay, you got to be a 10-12 to 12 sack guy out of the gate. You're in there nonstop, play everything. So I think with Rousseau, for me, number one, he's not the most explosive guy, but he can win with length, and you learn how to win with your length the more you play as a rookie. So that's the thing with me that I really like. He can get those arms up in passing lanes. He can rush on passing downs. Um, and he can. He has a good enough motor, I think, that he'll continue to fight through blocks with that body type he has, and he'll get even stronger, right? So you, as much as you get a year off and you could spend more time in the weight room, it's just different when you're on an NFL program. And I compared him to Carlos Dunlap, who's had a really, really nice mm. career in the NFL yeah. for a long time. Yeah, that's what he reminds me of, and you're seeing flashes of that as rookie year. Just somebody that I think he's going to move around, right? He can, As he gets bigger and stronger, you can play him at three-tech, four-eye, but I really like him as a true kind of five-tech player that's off the edge. Let him pin his ears back and go. So I think for the Bills, you know, maybe people are disappointed in the numbers overall, but this is someone that I think the reward is coming in the second half of year two into year three, Mm. not necessarily right out of the gate. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of wanted to follow that up here because when, when you think about where Ed Oliver is right now, this is year three for him, and it was a big year for him. I think he's broken out this year. Even though the sack numbers aren't super high, he is consistently one of the quickest guys off of the snap, short of Aaron Donald. And listen, that was such an unfair comp for him coming out of Houston, talking about Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. That's all he kept getting compared to. And what an unfair comp for a young player coming into the league to be compared to the most dominant interior defensive lineman ever. Like, that's just not a fair comp. But he is starting that disruption. And instead of teams using his aggressiveness against him and hitting those traps and and, and whams underneath him, he's starting to to get his bearings, his balance to him, and he's got a really balanced game, but man, his first step is one of the best in the league. Yeah, that's why I loved him as a player. He was a top five prospect for me. I just think when you can get off the ball like that, your ceiling is limitless. And with Ed, I always love the style of football he played. He plays 100 miles an hour. Uh, He's super tough. You know, he's not out there to make friends. And he's somebody that you look at this year, you are starting to see the growth. You're absolutely right, just in terms of the overall pressures. I mean, PFF has him winning on 14% of his, of his rush snaps. And to me, that is, that's a good sign. That's a number. That's where you want to be, right? You don't want to be below 10%. You want to be closer to 15%. And it's not, yeah, he has three sacks, but he's also, I think he has, you know, closer to 40 overall pressures now. So he's pinning his ears back and getting after it a little bit. Like you said, he can be an explosive player against the run. And players like that, it's, just, it's the hardest thing for an offensive lineman because everybody's strong in the NFL – Uh, A lot of guys are technically sound, but if you can win off the football, you set the tone of Mm -hmm. what you're going to do, how the pass set looks, you know, how wide you can rush, your ability to counter inside. So I think for Ed right now, they're in an interesting situation, right? Because at some point you're going to have to kind of make your decision on him long term. Uh, But he's somebody that I I truly believe is just entering his best years because he's really starting to figure out what he can and can't do when he was at Houston he could literally beat anybody just off of speed. It was too easy for him at times. Connor, appreciate you, boss. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, keep doing great work. Really excited about draft time coming up and chatting with you about that. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. I know you got a lot of work coming up on that as well. So appreciate you, my man. A happy New Year to you, and thanks as always for your time. You're always generous with it, and we appreciate it over here. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Nate. It's always good to catch up with you, man. Enjoy the game tomorrow. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, buddy. Aaron, uh, we had Connor Rogers there of... I almost called him Aaron Rodgers. He would have appreciated that, though, because he's the GOAT and Connor's the GOAT. Connor Rodgers there at Bleacher Report on the Western Hotline. I'm taking a timeout. I got another one to get to as well. Tyler Dragon going to join us here as well on WGR. You know me, always just skipping over these final segments. It's like they mean nothing to me. They don't, by the way. Um, it's just a uh, it's just a way to add some additional commercials in, I guess. Tyler Dragon of USA Today is going to join us coming up next here. We're going to talk more about the playoff picture as a whole, the NFC, the AFC. That's all coming up next, so don't go anywhere. Uh, bear through this commercial break, and on the other side, we'll talk more NFL here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 